Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Another University of Michigan team reached a national championship. This one, though, came up short. Another Michigan football coach has left Jim Harbaugh's staff. This one never coached a game. Plus, a record-setting performance on the diamond. That and more on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys. Good to be with you. Good to be with Where... you. That was a great intro, intro there, Andrew. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I spend a lot of time crafting these. It's the only, you know, scripted portion of this podcast. And I think it shows really goes downhill after the (laughs) intro. So what do we have to talk about? Most pressing things since it happened just last night. Uh, We're talking here on Monday. And that is another University of Michigan team in a national championship. Another one that might have snuck up on some people. It did for me. Granted, I was, you know, kind of out of town with, with family this this past weekend, so I wasn't fully locked in. But uh, I look up and I see that Michigan, uh, the field hockey team, is in the national championship against North Carolina. I mean, it listed them as one and two. Where that was, a, were those their national rankings coming in, Ryan? Those were the their national rankings. Yep, North Carolina, the two time defending champions, and Michigan that had quite quite the run at the end of the season. I mean, they were on a twelve game win streak heading into. Uh, yesterday and just couldn't, uh, couldn't store the game winner to, to win the championship. But I mean, it's, it's exciting of a, of a field hockey match as you could possibly get with Michigan coming down from two goals to send it in overtime and kind of a, a weird way to end a, a championship game though. Yeah, I was, well, I was hoping for a shootout. I know maybe sometimes coaches and the, the athletes themselves don't feel like that's like a pure form of, of the sport, no matter, you know, what sport, you know, actually uses those, but I would have liked to have seen what it looked like in, in field hockey in particular. You got to go to watch Michigan's highlights from their semifinal match. That's they beat Louisville in a shootout to advance to the championship. There we go. I will have (laughs) to check that out, but I mean, God bless you for writing about it. Not because they don't deserve it, but because I couldn't figure out what was happening half the time, even with the announcers, you know, all of a sudden a player that's supposed to be out for 10 minutes is back on the field. I'm sure they weren't there, or I don't think they were there. That could have added to some of the confusion, but yeah, it was just, uh, you know, the ball's out of bounds. Sometimes they just seem to let it go. They're in, you know, when who gets it after the inbounds, some of the penalties, the, the hacking call that they were doing at one point. I don't know. In the end, North Carolina wins on like, yeah, a corner play where they kind of got a redo. And yeah. yeah, they scored two of their four goals off of off of corners on on yesterday. And yeah, I mean that's I mean Michigan entered 
allowing just eight goals in their previous. I mean, they were averaging under a half a goal per game. So they were the best team defensively in the country. But obviously going against a, a dominant squad like North Carolina, it's going to be hard to keep them off the board. I was kind of surprised Michigan was able to, to battle back after getting, going down two goals in the third quarter. But, I mean, really impressive performance to, to come back. And, yeah, I mean, both teams had some chances there after the game was tied 3-3. Three to three. Just, uh, yeah, it's probably a frustrating way to end. I know we talked with the, the Michigan coach afterwards, and, and she was like, she was not very, you could tell she was not happy with the, the officiating during that game. She said, asked the comment about her team facing more adversity than any team should in a championship game, and she declined to comment further for, for fear of getting fined. So you could tell <laughs> she was probably not very happy with the call, but um, still a, a a really remarkable season for the Wolverines. Regardless, it was only their third time in the national championship and first time since 2001 when they won it all. So, um, yeah, not not too shabby of a season. No, I, I North really, Carolina and Chapel Hill, maybe. Was the game on TV? I, I didn't watch. It was yeah, it was on, on ESPNU. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, we we can revisit kind of briefly the discussion we had, what, two, three weeks ago or whatever about uh, Michigan a football school, a basketball school? Are they a gymnastics school? Are they a field hockey field school? Hockey. I mean, I, again, like I said then, they want to be everything. Mm-hmm. They want to be good at everything. And, you know, recently they're 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 showing that they they are. I mean, they are you know, getting to the national championship now in, in two sports in such a short time is is a good look for for the program. And we're gonna talk a little later about the baseball and and softball success too. This is what they want to build under Ward Manual. It's not the it's not as high profile as yeah, your football, your men's basketball team, your women's basketball. Like it, it's it's not going to garner those headlines. Those coaching hires aren't going to be as scrutinized. You know, we're not uh, tracking private planes to see who they're going to hire for their <laughs> next you know women's soccer coach, but they're important and you know it adds to the the university as a whole. Of course, with you know COVID and with potential you know, name uh, NLI legislation coming, how that will affect some of these, you know, non-revenue sports will be interesting to see, but at least at Michigan recently, they've been successful. Okay. As we said, we're going to talk about uh, a departure on the, on Jim Harbaugh's staff. Mo Linguist, Maurice Linguist has, has left to take a head coaching job at the University of Buffalo. We hardly knew you, Mo. (laughs) Yeah. So he was hired, you know, after last season. So he was, he, he has not, actually coached, uh, you know, uh, a game for Michigan. He never, you know, even had uh, usually in assistant coaches get introduced to the local media at some point. Like he never even had that, that moment. It's just, you know, this is, if not a trend, it's something we certainly seen before with, with Jim Harbaugh. We can get into that, but just a little more on, on linguists and his departure, Aaron. Yeah. He, uh, he departed over the weekend, Friday afternoon, the kind of word started trickling out that he was, he was a finalist for the Buffalo job. Um, I guess it's not a surprise given his background in Buffalo. He, he coached there in 2012 and 2013, a long tenure as an assistant coach at several different stops, former player, obviously. But then, yeah, Friday afternoon, Friday night, it was officially announced that from Buffalo that he was getting the head coaching job. So it's 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 another it's another I guess shot to Michigan's coaching staff. He he was expected to come in and kind of give the uh, the staff kind of rejuvenation from especially from a recruiting standpoint. But like you said, this isn't the first time it's happened. I mean, we've seen it happen with Dan Enos. Jim Harbaugh brought him in in early 2018. He departed six weeks later. Again, similar situation. Brought on 
obviously helped recruiting and, and from a position positional standpoint, but then he, he departed shortly, six weeks later. So this is a little bit longer, about five months. Uh, he did, Mo did go through a full spring in terms of practice. They were, had started the recruiting cycle. He had made some, you know, some high pitches with some of these, some of these kids helped land at some of these top tier prospects. But yeah, like, like Zook said, we, we barely knew him. Uh, we didn't really have a good chance to talk to him. I think he did one interview during his entire time here. It's one of those things where I think as a as a fan, they're probably frustrated just because you know you had this high profile assistant come in, you you expected him to help with recruiting, and he was. He was starting to land some of these big kids, and then he departs. But at the same token, you can't really blame him either. I mean, it's it's a head coaching job at a at a major school, Buffalo. It, you know, it's not like Buffalo's on the down slide here. It's one of the top schools in the MAC. Lance Lightpool just departed for Kansas. Kind of right. They didn't fire their coach. They lost their coach to a better right. job. Yeah. So it, it's a good job to take. I mean, I, I'm curious to see what the pay will be. He was expect. I think his salary for in Michigan this year is going to be six hundred eighty thousand dollars. I suspect he'll probably make something around there at Buffalo. Uh, Max schools tend to you know pay their coaches anywhere from half a million to upwards to a million dollars a year. But again, it's it's an opening for Jim Harbaugh. He's going to have to fill it. Uh, we'll see here going forward. There are a couple of candidates circulating, but a, another blow. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's had several assistants depart on him, you know, in, in previous years for various reasons. Some I think were on his, you know, his his prompting. Others have decided to leave. And in this case, I don't think it was necessarily anything behind the scenes that caused this. It was just, you know, a better opportunity came up, and Mo Lingus had a hard time, you know, turning it down. I've got a few questions. First of all, did he, you know, you say he's brought in for recruiting. I mean, he, he was here for enough time to potentially land someone. Like, I, I just wondered, did he? Like, was he, you know, the key guy in any particular you Correct players? me if I'm wrong, but I think he was involved in landing Will Johnson, the five-star. Yeah, yeah so yeah, just to dive in a little bit here. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, yeah, he helped land Will Johnson. Was Will Johnson was one of the the first calls that he made once once he was hired and and, and helped bring him aboard. Uh, I mean, I expected Will to choose Michigan regardless, just based off of his dad playing at Michigan, him being a local kid, a, a five star from Gross Point South. But if you remember, I mean, it, recruiting under Linguist started off with a bang. He landed two Tennessee four star defensive backs less than a month after taking the job, and it's like, wow, this guy, this guy's the real deal. Um, we, we talked about his connections in Texas, but yeah, these Tennessee prospects, um, one of them, Cody Jones, is, is still committed. So we'll see what transpires there. I mean, he's scheduled to make his official visit like most of Michigan's seven pledges in the 2021 class once the dead period ends in June. Um, but the other the other one had, had already decommitted in, in March, safety Taylor Jones, another four-star. So there, there was some momentum to start off, but it, it's kind of dwindled a little bit here lately, and I, I'm sure it will continue until Michigan can can hire a replacement and, and allow that that replacement to build those relationships and and kind of keep keep these guys on, on board. I know. Well, Johnson's been serving as a primary recruiter too in this class, so he's going to have some work to do. To I, I don't think he will be affected by this much. I think he'll he'll still be solid to to Michigan, but. Um, yeah, Cody Jones, we'll see what happens there. I know another top target who's currently committed to Georgia, a top 100 cornerback, Marquise Groves Killebrew, he was slated to take an official visit to, to Michigan in June, and I, I know Linguist played a big role in his recruitment. Um, so we'll see if he still ma- makes that visit. I, I'm, I'm trying to reach out to some of these guys here um, and get some of their reactions. But, yeah, it, this will probably be a significant blow for Michigan on the recruiting trail. I mean, Linguist was – that was just considered his, his, his top strength is recruiting. I mean, we 
don't really know how he is. We never got the chance to see how he is as an on the field coach or how his maybe style translate to play on the field. So basically we have to go on, on recruitment track record. And right now that's where Michigan is going to be hurt the most. And that's what I think makes this next hire so important. Uh, where, whichever direction Jim Harbaugh decides to go, I think he's got to find someone who who can fill that recruiting void. Because look, here's his reality situation. Before Linguist even got here, Mike Zorich is a good developer of talent. We saw that he can coach the heck out of out of a player. He can bring build a guy up. But I would say, and Zorich would probably agree with you if you asked him flat out. I don't think recruiting is one of his strengths, and I don't think he necessarily enjoyed it too much. So I think that's where this hire has to has to be made. It has to be another top tier recruit. Uh, name that's that's kind of floating out there right now as a potential front runner, Steve Klinkscale from Kentucky. It's gonna be tough saying that. Yeah. Hired. Uh, defensive backs coach. He's been there a while. Uh, he's a good recruiter again in that Tennessee, Kentucky, South area. Um, he's got ties to Ohio. He's a Youngstown, Ohio native. Coach at Toledo. Coached Illinois. He was at Cincinnati for a while. So he's got ties to Midwest. He's been a um, you know defensive backs coach for a while. I would expect he, he's probably the first call Jim Harbaugh made when this job opened. Whether he comes remains to be seen. Uh, Kentucky likes him. You know, Stoops up there, and uh, I, I would expect Mark Stoops to make a kind of a push to keep him. Whether he will or not remains to be seen. But th- that's what makes his hire so important. I, I expect Jim to go outside the staff to pick some to, to get someone. At the same time, there's someone on the staff, I, I think it's an intriguing name, Doug Mallory, former quarterback at Michigan. He's, a, he's He joined the staff this offseason as a defensive analyst. Again, former defensive back. He has experience. He was in the staff in Indiana a few years back. So he's got ties to the Big Ten and the Midwest. So the, there are certainly options out there, but it's it's a weird time, too, to be hiring an assistant just because naturally this isn't when guys get hired. This is kind of usually by now the coaching carousel has ended, but that, that kind of changed when the, the job became open in Kansas. Lance Leipold leaves from there and things kind of open up. So the, the good thing, I think, for Jim Harbaugh is obviously has the Michigan name. He, you know, Jim has shown a, an ability to develop younger guys and, and kind of elevate them. So, I mean, it, he'll be able to, find someone we'll see who he gets but i do think he needs to find a top tier recruiter someone who has the chops to go out and get top tier talent because at that point that's where they've been really struggling especially at the quarterback position you think he does that now you know or or it's kind of patchwork yeah elevate someone from within and then kind of reassess next you know in the, in the I, winter I think, time i think it's going to depend on a who jim has near his top of list and whether they're going to come so like say for mm-hmm. instance clink scale is the number one guy and he he, he you know jim goes to him and he doesn't it doesn't end up happening then i think jim you have to look maybe internally and maybe wait till the next cycle and and, and, and you know turn around for next year and because he does have options i mean he can move guys on the staff around as we saw before matt weiss got hired he can move you no know, they can move guys if they have to i don't think that would be the ideal situation just because no. he went through a full spring of practices guys are in play you know, players are getting used to their position coaches. That's probably not what you want to do. Um, but, you know, given that it's May 10th and you know, you have a spot, a staff, uh, you know, spot and staff open, I think anything is, is possible at this point. Okay. I, I like the idea of like, you know, a Mo linguist uh, plaque outside of Shem Beckler. He, he recruited those couple of guys that one time. Yeah. Um, thanks for your contributions. Okay. So, you know, as we alluded to, sort of a history of this happening you know and Aaron you you know have written about it and you you know compiled a a list for us uh you know before we spoke here and it's it's long 15 guys deep of you know coaches who left um you know they were still under contract you know for the most part or Harbaugh wanted to retain them at least and they went somewhere else now this move in particular was going from you know an assistant not even not one of the coordinators 
was he? Did he have a coordinator tag? Yeah, he was co- technically co. Okay, yeah. um, but to be a head coach, okay, so can't really knock that, even though the timing is is kind of tricky, you know. But as we've discussed previously, when some of these coaches have left, you know, a lot of them are could be considered lateral moves. I mean, if you're at Michigan and you're going to any other college, I mean, say what you want about their recent success, but you know, as far as pay and prestige and things like that, you're gonna if you're taking the same title it's a lateral move at best. Okay. So, and that's what we've seen with guys going to, you know, okay. USC, UCLA, uh, Ohio state, Florida state, Ole Miss, you know, other sec, you know, pac 12 programs, but yeah, I mean, and sometimes they've gotten that, that coordinator tag or, you know, elevated to a certain extent, but other times, you know, not so much. And there's been, you know, some NFL departures too. So you can't knock those, but it's just been interesting when you add it all up, like, what do you make of it? Because, there's just a, there's a couple of different ways to, to kind of interpret this. Yeah, you mentioned it and you can go down the list from, you know, Tim Drevno's to the Chris Partridge's and Greg Madison's and the like, and each, obviously each individual has their own story and their mm-hmm. own reasoning for leaving. And maybe they were pushed out or maybe they didn't want to be here anymore. And a couple of situations I think are valid. You know, you look at like, for instance, Jim McElwain took the head coaching job at Central Michigan. And so that's an upward move. Al Washington was here one year left to take a similar job at Ohio State. You could call it a little move, but at the same token, you got to remember, you know, he had family that played at Ohio State. He was from Columbus. So it made sense. Mm-hmm. It was just, it, I think it just stung, you know, and I think a lot of these departures have stung. And it, it, I think the lack of continuity, I think is what has hurt Jim Harbaugh the most during his time at Michigan. You can point to the, the lack of developing a quarterback. And obviously that's huge and, and everything else, but look at how many different quarterback coaches we've had, they've had here at Michigan. It just, it, it just a lack of, a lack of continuity across the board, offensive side, defensive side. And look, Jim has done a very good job of acknowledging when he needs to, needs to change, whether it's philosophy, and scheme coordinator, what the case may be. But at the same time, he hasn't really done it all in unison. He'll bring in a new offensive coordinator or promote someone and several other assistants on that, you know, the offensive side will leave or they, they change the scheme defensively and they keep, you know, the impact on the offensive side of the ball. So it's, it's, it's almost like a patchwork of changes all the time, whether it's guys leaving, coming in, him wanting to, to bring guys in. So it's, I don't know. I think a lack of, the lack of continuity certainly speaks, I think, a great deal to Michigan's inability to kind of get over the hump. Um, because, look, they're still recruiting well. They're still bringing in top-tier guys and everything else. But I, I think a lot of times these kids commit because, A, obviously because of the school and that coach, but the assistant coach plays a huge deal here. And when guys are coming in out like this, it, it hurts, you know, to, to develop a development, keeping retaining players, and just building, a, you know, a culture of winning, winning you know, success. Yeah. So, I mean, when I look at it, you could say, well, Harbaugh's not like firing these guys and then they're landing elsewhere. You know, they're being targeted by other schools. And, you know, some of them are young guys that are, that are, you know, moving up or whatever. So obviously Michigan's doing something right. They like the, you know, they like what they did at Michigan. They like, you know, the tutelage they received from, from Jim Harbaugh, whatever, however you want to say they, the job they did at Michigan got them these other jobs to a certain extent. But at the same time, you wonder in some cases when it's these lateral moves, if the individual chose to leave because they felt like, eh, you know, the pay is fine. The job title is fine. But, you know, if I can be working for somebody else or at a different program, that's what I'd prefer. You know, you don't want to speculate too much because, like you said, every instance is different. You know, a guy that leaves, you know, we had two coaches leave for Ohio State. They're very, very different. You know, one had the direct ties there and, and you got it, you know, in Al Washington, Greg Madison. That was a little more of a, of a head scratcher. So it is, it's hard to kind of, you know, figure, but 
at the same time, it means that they're, they're desirable, but in, you know, it, it does, it, it is more, it, it does seem like a little bit more relative to some other schools. I mean, you see at Alabama guys, you know, he, he's got to find new assistants too, because they're, you know, their coordinators get, get poached to be, you know, head coaches elsewhere, but this is a little different and it's just a revolving door. We spoke about the kind of mural, you know, the, the pictures that they had in, in, in Schembechler of, of all the assistants and they just did away with it because it was just, it was ever changed. They couldn't keep up, um, <laughs> you know, whoever was responsible for getting these photos up there, um, you know, couldn't, couldn't keep up with the revolving door of, of hires and, and departures uh, under Harbaugh. You mentioned all these individual guys, and several of them were on staff with Harbaugh for several years. Some of them remained loyal to Jim Harbaugh and left for you know various reasons. Maybe they wanted a coordinator job, and, and Jim wasn't going to give it to them. Um, but I think some of this too falls on Jim Harbaugh and his hiring decisions. I mean, if you look at a couple of these guys, they have a history of jumping jobs every, almost every year or every other year. Uh, like for example, Al Washington before he was at Michigan, he had you know he had several jobs before that. You know, Mo Linguist. You know, he was only with the Cowboys for a year. He was. He was never at a college for more than I think two years during his tenure. So some of these guys, you you know, going in are, are, are looking for jobs or looking to elevate their careers and that's fine. But you have to, you have to go in, the, in that, in with that, with the understanding that they're not going to stay around long. In the case of linguist, you know, it's different because I think it's a head coaching job. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I understand, go on. But at the same token, at the same time, it's got to be eating Jim alive, I think, inside saying, you know, I spent all this time, I identified this guy, I brought him in, he's helped, and he's gone like that. And it's like, it's got, it's got to be frustrating. But again, at the same time, it's like, well, you know, if you were in that situation, do you blame him? You know? All right. Well, stay tuned for for more coverage of, you know, where machine, the direction that, that Harbaugh and machine goes with, with this hire. All right. As we said, we're going to give you some, you know, spring sports updates here, you know, which I should mention, as we talked about that field hockey championship, like that was not, that's a fall sport, you know, that got, that got pushed back. I went back and looked at like the story I wrote, you know, when I talked to the various coaches and, you know, yeah, they, cause football was announced as coming back in October uh, in the big 10, but the other fall sports were still put on hold and many of them, you know, just, just wrapping up now. Um, so it's interesting to see, you know, read those comments about their disappointment and they're hoping to finally get back to the field to then, you know, see them. Oh, well, yeah, they, they did all right when all is said and done, but yeah, the actual spring sport, baseball and softball, Ryan, give us the, the latest update from the Wolverines on the diamond. Yeah, let's start off with with softball and and Michigan was able to clinch the the Big Ten title once again. They're twelfth in the past thirteen seasons. Kind of had, had, have had a stranglehold in the conference here under under Carol Hutchins and did it in a pretty impressive fashion. I mean, obviously the the Big Ten isn't the greatest competition. They always see top competition come come regional time, but Minnesota they traveled to Minnesota this weekend and the Gophers were the second place team and Michigan dispatched them the first three games of a four game series to to clinch the the title with with four games remaining and yeah pretty and it's it's been pitching this year I mean Alex Storacco on, on Wednesday to extend Michigan's winning streak she struck out 22 batters in in nine innings as, as the Wolverines beat the Spartans one to nothing I mean she entered this past weekend number one in the country in ERA at 0.59 and I have a, a feature running uh, on her this week too. It, fortunately, she had a little bit of a rough two outings to to end the weekend. The Michigan lost the series finale, and she gave up a, a few runs, including three in the first inning. Kind of inflate those numbers a little bit. But her and, and Megan Bobian have been quite the one-two punch on on the mound, and and their offense has been scoring uh, enough here this year. So it will be really intriguing to see this year. 
how they perform once they once they hit the NCAA tournament because they've only played a Big Ten Central this year and and the Big Ten isn't that strong. So we'll see if this is more of uh, how they adjust to the competition. So that's that'll be something to watch here. They have one more series left against Rutgers and then it's it's playoff time. Has it only been intra-conference play throughout the sport or other conferences are, are doing their own thing and, and playing some non-conference I games? Think, uh, I think some conferences might be doing just conference only, but I, I know there are other uh, intra-conference uh, games as well. So, yeah, they're not the Big Ten. I'm pretty sure are, is one of the few conferences only playing a, a, a conference-only schedule. All right. Well, we gave you, we gave you field hockey. The football, baseball, softball, anything else that we did not hit on? No, I, I guess baseball is they beat uh, Mission State two out of three this weekend and mm-hmm. are kind of battling for a, a Big Ten title as well. I mean, they're, it's neck and neck up at the top of the Big Ten baseball standing. So that season runs a little bit longer. So a, f- a few more games left remaining in, in the baseball season. But uh, yeah, we'll see if they can kind of close out a, a Big Ten title as well. All right, well, stay tuned for continued coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines. 